My name's Claire Press, and I'm Vogue Australia's Sustainability Editor. You're listening to Wardrobe Crisis, the podcast that unzips fashion's issues. Do you mind if I move the microphone? I just, I need to lounge. <laughs> Devotion, darling. Shut I think as humans, we are major forces to be also reckoned with. And I think creativity always flourishes when there is any type of crisis. That's been the absolute pleasure, is watching talented people who have skills far and beyond mine come together and work collectively. Einstein always said, nature has all the answers. Just look to nature, it has all the answers. Just because I happened to be able to source them easiest, I guess, I was buying original wool jackets from the 1950s. I was buying them at Portobello Market. And a one man's rubbish is another man's gold. For me, it was about age. It was about the attitude of people. And it's about how they're wearing the clothes, why they're wearing the clothes, and capturing a bit of their wisdom and empowering people to look at aging differently. Join me every week as we talk ethics, sustainability and the business and madness of fashion. From who made your clothes to how they impact on the environment to the politics of personal style. We are so hot right now. I'm a bit excited this week because I just got an advanced copy of my new book. It's called Rise and Resist. How to Change the World, and it's all about change makers and movement building. I'm looking at environment, ocean plastic, climate change, craftivism, fashion activism, and social justice in general. So big stuff. And it's out in Australia and New Zealand on October the 1st. And I'll be sharing some book tour dates nearer the time. I'd love you to come along to an event if you can. Now to this week's episode. Next month is Fashion Month. New York, London, Milan, Paris for spring 19. But it's not just those fashion capitals that stage events for buyers and media. There are loads of fashion weeks. I mean, I once went to one in Moscow. They're everywhere. But the question is, what are fashion weeks for in 2018 and beyond? Should we have dedicated sustainable fashion weeks? If we did, what would that look like? Who would it serve? Would people be into it? If you follow me on Instagram... Please do. It's at Mrs. Press. I share lots of good sustainability stuff on there. But if you do, you might know that last month I went to Helsinki Fashion Week. It was great. It was, I think the word is intriguing, totally unconventional. This was Fashion Week with a break for yoga and a quick dip in the Baltic Sea. (laughs) The drinking water was extracted from an ingenious machine that turned seawater into drinking water. There was lovely food that they'd made from waste and all of the designers, most importantly, were sustainable in some way. You're going to meet the woman behind it all, 26-year-old Evelyn Mora. Now, Evelyn says that her big vision is about reinventing traditional concepts of Fashion Week venues and the ways that they present collections to buyers and media, but also while simultaneously questioning the way we consume. Interesting, isn't it? In this episode, we talk about emerging designers and the need to give those who care about sustainability a platform. 
We talk about millennial values and how they will shape the future of the fashion industry. And look, it's already happening, isn't it? I mean, totally different view of the world. Evelyn says that her vision is about circularity, sustainability and beauty. But it's also about getting rid of what's gone before. She's a change agent. She likes to shake things up. She's not afraid to talk her mind and to say controversial stuff. I don't think she's pandering to or pussyfooting around, if you like, the fashion establishment. Also, I don't think she sees them as her main audience. Of course, she's talking to them, but not to them alone. Evelyn's vision is all about inclusivity and about kind of cutting out the pretension. But also, she wants fashion to change and to keep on changing. And she said to me, you don't have to fit in a box. You don't have to be the same every year. So who knows what Helsinki Fashion Week will look like in the future? But for now, what it looks like is one of the few dedicated sustainable fashion weeks or events in the world. It's not the only one. Actually, in Helsinki, I met an extraordinary woman. Her name's Magda Schaffrin, and she's been running the ethical fashion show trade shows out of Berlin for about a decade, and she's doing great work. In Australia, we've got an Eco Fashion Week, and I'll be going there in November. It's in Perth, and it's run by Zuhal Kuven Mills, and I can't wait to see what that's all about and to share it with you. In the meantime, I hope you're enjoying these shows. Don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already. And thank you for all the love that you share on social media and for helping me spread the word. A rating and a review in iTunes is always appreciated. Evelyn, we're sitting here in your Coda house, which has been set up on site for the duration of the event. That's right. Describe it for me. So this is an experiment in living in a very minimalistic way. As you can see, it's, the space has been used very efficiently and uh, you can put it up in a day. It's actually quite affordable and it can potentially solve la- some social problems in our cities. This is a kind of experiment in how we might live more sustainably, all this whole setup. I mean, I was thirsty before and I said, where can I get water? I brought my bottle because I am a keep cup and water bottle person. Good job, right? Because you're not dispensing a load of plastic water bottles to everyone who comes here, are you? That's right, but we saw a lot of plastic bottles laying around. Oh, did you? Yeah, so we did. people brought them? They brought them, and even though we forbidden it, but they bring it anyway. Oh, that's interesting. But you have this blue water set up. Right. Can you tell us about that? So it's an on-site uh, purification system technology. So we are purifying, the blue water is purifying the Baltic Sea water, and you, have, uh, you can get uh, still or sparkling versions of it. And it literally is pumped out of the sea. Right, right. Extraordinary. On real time, yes. And uh, actually, yeah, we don't have um, any other water resources in the uh, site. So, yeah, it was very mandatory, actually. And there's also a shower set up, which comes from the seawater? Yes. So, basically, that's shower loop. You can use the same water to showering over and over again and it, it actually gets cleaner every time you you use it so it's technology that pumps the same water through the system over and over again that's right wow and if you wanted to be rich <laughs> you need to be rich for this bit you could also arrive and depart in the tesla boat yeah it actually it isn't a tesla boat it's called q yachts but it's electric and um, Q Yacht is owned by Ocean Vault, and Ocean Vault is actually producing the, the electric motors for the boats and its finished design. And then also, we've been driven to this event in Tesla cars. Yeah, I'm very proud of uh, partnering with Tesla. I think Tesla as a company is very inspiring, and I'm a fangirl 
as well. I think uh, it's really great that they have public transparent patents. So uh, not all the companies have that. And in terms of sustainability, I think transparency is really important. So uh, they actually want to change the industry. At this event, if you were hungry, there was food, but it was Mm -hmm. unconventional food. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. So we work with Loop. So it's actually industry waste food. They serve you vegetarian waste food. So every day we serve what we have gotten from the shops, supermarkets that has been thrown away. They were saying they visit 10 different stores a day and then basically collect the vegetables and the salad items that are supposedly off, but we know they're not really. Yeah. But, you know, maybe the sell-by date has been reached or there's one bruised tomato in the packet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And it's uh, really interesting that sustainability and these kind of values can create new businesses. Like the actual collector of these waste food is a different company than the restaurant that actually buys them in. Right. How important was it then for you, Evelyn, to make sure that all of the different elements around this fashion week have a sustainability box ticked? Of course, very important for me. I hear a lot of excuses for people not living sustainably. And also we cannot forget the solar panels that we have that we power the village with. So the idea is that uh, we showcase to people, as we are open to everyone, uh, that what options there are. And we wanted to use or showcase the options that are affordable, most affordable and uh, kind of understandable and, and uh, that are in actually in a peak in, in the market. You also had on site an exhibition mm-hmm. that you organised in collaboration with VTT, which is the Technology Research Institute of Finland. Mm-hmm. And that exhibition was really thought provoking and was on site the whole time. So in between the shows, people could browse these exhibitions, which basically talk about circularity in materials. They talk about how we can deal with waste and how to look good, feel good on a sustainable way. I really enjoyed the visuals, for example, that showed how there was a plate, right? So there's a plate that was covered in plastic that had been Mm -hmm. some kind of picnic plate and Mm -hmm. then there was a plate that was merely paper and Mm -hmm. they showed it in various stages of decomposition and the plastic-covered one was pretty much perfect, whereas Mm -hmm. the paper one had all but disappeared in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Those visuals are good and powerful. Mm -hmm. What else can you tell us about that exhibition? This exhibition showcases innovations and processes and findings and projects that are ongoing and actually VTT is actively working on them with different kind of startups and companies in Finland and internationally to actually, you know, improve them and make it into reality, commercialize these visions. That's why I love VTT because they're actually a bunch of engineers that understand the value of design and lifestyle and they apply it and they actively work on it to make it into a reality. So you presented the work of 30 designers this week. Yes. I was expecting them to be Finnish, but they were actually from all over the place or all over Europe. That's right. Uh, Well, the thing is, I personally, as our organization, we don't believe that fashion or design has a passport in a way. I believe that it's about design. It's global. I mean, nowadays, we shouldn't put designers or fashion into cultural boxes uh, based on their geographical <laughs> location inspiration is not it doesn't have a nationality it, it's all about creativity and and I think it's something very global especially nowadays so why and how were you selecting them we were selecting them based on their vision and we were trying to kind of cover different perspectives of how 
they think they can be sustainable, what they are doing to uh, have that value in their production or clothing or basically everything from materials to, to the design process, sourcing the material production, social responsibility and so on. And um, obviously most of them aren't 100% sustainable. There isn't such a thing as 100% sustainable. But the idea is to bring those mindsets and perspective into one platform and bring these designers together to actually take another step and develop and see if there is like collaborations and things like that to try to combine these visions and maybe come up with new ideas and so on. So why not use that word sustainability or sustainable in the title of the Fashion Week? Because we are, it would go against our long-term mission which is that we don't want sustainability to be classified as a niche as a group or a choice but it's actually a must it's a new norm it's fashion week normal fashion week everything should be sustainable it's so not normal with your seawater yeah. <laughs> and your kooky shower and your 30 designers from all different places who are tied together because of the way that they're producing things yeah. that's not normal but, but see there is it, it is the new normal it's the new normal. It's uh, The world is changing. The new generations are taking over. We have to develop. Everyone has to develop, including fashion weeks, fashion industry. And one of the most important thing also in terms of showcasing solar panels, you know, water, purification and so on, is that all these elements are used in fashion production. So one of the designers that I saw yesterday that I got really excited about was this brand called Unravelau, and it's from the Netherlands. And the designer, her name is Laura, unpronounceable surname for me, but we'll share it in the show notes. She's taking upcycling to a really elevated next level place, particularly using post-consumer denim. Mm -hmm. So often when we look at upcycled as a phrase, when it comes to fashion, I think it can look so hokey and homemade and it just doesn't have that sophisticated element that you kind of want from fashion she completely reinvents the idea and the denim pieces that she's put together are really extraordinary. She'd actually been selected by Vogue Talents, mm-hmm. I think, this year. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Mino was here. She has this eye for green talent and she and I were talking about this yesterday that that's her big focus now and that she mm-hmm. wants all of Vogue Talents to be green for the future. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, but normal at the same time, isn't it? <laughs> You're back to normal. Yeah. It's not normal yet. So I loved her. Who did you love? I loved Eleanor Brandstrom. Yeah. Really clever. I loved her because she was, I actually, like, it was food for my soul because I love new things in fashion and creative thinking. And her sportswear had, like, different elements, like, inspired by punk. It looked beautiful and it was something new. Like, having a corset in, in a sports pants like for example was really interesting her use of materials was extraordinary I had a good long chat with her she's Swedish but she's based in London Mm -hmm. and the way that she'd sourced the fabrics and actually some of the pieces were made from garments that she'd then remade Mm -hmm. so she'd bought a load of old fleeces she'd sourced some sort of oil cloth yellow like sou'wester kind of fisherman's jackets Mm -hmm. and made them into these incredible tops she really did an extraordinary job I thought she did, she did. And also in this kind of collections, always the question that comes to my mind that is it commercial? How commercial is it? She actually said to me yesterday that she hadn't, she used to use a lot of organic cotton because she thought that was the mm. future. But now she's decided that that is such a drain on resources that right. it's almost no better than conventionally grown cotton. And so she's really looking at reusing materials now. Mm-hmm. 
Amazing. Yeah. And who else? I was a great fan of Tiziano Giardini. Mm -hmm. I was familiar with his work before this, Mm -hmm. but it was really nice to meet him Mm -hmm. and to see his work on the runway. Can you tell us a bit about what he does? Yes. Uh, He's actually, it was a funny way how I met him. He basically, this is the second time I've seen his collection. It's the same one that he showed in Milan. I was there. I saw his show. And uh, firstly, when I saw the show, I was like, okay, you know, pretty close, great okay, what now? And then I actually met him and he explained how many different ways of material sourcing he'd used and also combining creativity with these values because like there is a lot of brands that are vegan, sustainable, this and that, but they are boring, literally so boring and they just don't stand out in any way. And so it's really, it makes me really happy to see that these values and different production methods and vision has been applied into one collection which is actually looks great but also is creative it's not boring and stands out Mm. so he's been doing quite well in his um, career I think he's about to be very famous actually yeah he's really got something special yeah and another one that I loved which I'd never heard of so I'm going to call it my discovery (laughs) Ho Pabisi now she's based in London And it's just extraordinary. The slow element of what she does is all about extravagance and texture. So some of these pieces are woven and crocheted out of raffia that was viscose raffia Mm -hmm. and then adorned with all manner of crazy beading and Mm -hmm. metal Mm -hmm. rings and I don't know, it's almost jewel-like but really elaborate and incredible. And I spoke with her husband yesterday about how they sell and what they do. Their background is they had an antiques market in Alfie's Antiques in London, which is a very famous vintage destination. Mm -hmm. And just their obsession or her obsession with 1920s and vintage pieces is what inspired this. And they really only make to order, so it's kind of like couture. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And knitwear, uh, I'm obsessed with knitwear. We use a lot of knitwear in Finland. But uh, again, it's quite boring and the same. You couldn't say that was boring. No, not that. That was amazing. Yeah, Obabisi was amazing. That's why she was there in Fashion Week, because she's proposing new things in knitwear. So I think it was quite nice. And at the same time that there was a lot of things going on in her collection, in the pieces, it was somehow very kind of calm and harmonical. Good idea. I like that. Mm. Okay. Didn't hurt your eyes. It didn't (laughs) hurt my eyes. It hurt my bank balance, the thought that I might like to actually buy those things. I want to come back to this idea of whether or not we need sustainable fashion weeks in general. I mean, I'm obsessed with sustainability and that's obviously my beat, but I've never really considered the idea that we need a separate event for it. Mm -hmm. But perhaps we do if we're not getting served in the right way by conventional fashion weeks. What's your take on conventional fashion weeks, Evelyn? I think uh, conventional fashion weeks are useless, boring, the same around the world. You <laughs> Don't can't pull any punches there. No, no. I mean, I love uh, these organizations are cool. But the, the thing is that why do we have so many fashion weeks? What's the point? Again, if we look at it from sustainability point of view, it's just wasting resources in the end of the day. I mean, if 
everyone can go to Paris and buyers can buy there or in a couple places. We don't have to have, you know, fashion weeks in all around the world. Like in Russia, there is two fashion weeks in Moscow and St. Petersburg. And uh, the point is that we don't need sustainable fashion weeks. We need fashion weeks to be sustainable, all of them. And if they had these criteria, if they would be brave enough to just apply these criteria in their um, fashion weeks, then we could actually change the industry. Fashion weeks could change the industry and make themselves relevant again. And I mean, I say this with all the love and respect. I'm not, you know, saying that, oh, you know, we're the best or anything like that. But I believe that when I go to London, when I go to Paris or Milan, for me, the experience is the same. The content is different, experience is the same. And uh, I just, I'm bored, personally, to go to fashion weeks. And now, I'm obviously, I'm not talking about big brands because they have the resources to put in it and make it special and outstanding. But, you know, all the many, many other brands. And so I think that Fashion Weeks have the opportunity to inspire the industry, change it, become relevant again. Because it's a very common topic nowadays to talk about if, you know, Fashion Weeks are necessary anymore. Full stop. Yeah. I mean, we had that big experiment, and I use the past tense on purpose there, but with see now, buy now. Mm-hmm. And really, I feel like that experiment didn't last very long, and now no one's talking about it. Exactly. Some brands are still doing it. But it was the great hope about two years ago that after the fatigue that we had with so much product and the exponential speeding up of fashion, that see now, buy now might be an answer. That instead of trying to get everyone to constantly look ahead when it wasn't going to work, it should be let's show right now what's available in the stores. Let's make fashion weeks more inclusive so that it's all about the consumer, and let's. Stop pretending that people are willing to wait for six months to get the clothes in the stores. It seemed like it would. It made a lot of sense. I wrote mm-hmm. a big story about it. I remember. Mm-hmm. But then by the next season, it was sort of over. And I think maybe Tommy Hilfiger did this big event at New York Fashion Week. In um, it was a big fairground themed event, and it was super fun. It was Gigi on the rides, and it was mm-hmm. like a big festival. But really, after that, nothing happened. And then what was the purpose of that? It was just entertainment. It mm-hmm. didn't actually reinvent the system at all. It was mm-hmm. just another way of entertaining us. Yeah, I think um, the one of the points also we wanted to make, I'm going to repeat that in the Echo Village, was that cross-industry intersectoral collaboration is vital. And having good ideas like See Now, Buy Now requires certain kind of technology to back it up, certain kind of logistics. And you can't just uh, have a good idea and just halfly kind of do it, execute it. And uh, I think like we don't have to make it too complicated. All we need to do is to make sure that we start producing sustainably. We have criteria in fashion weeks and so on, like true values. But I suppose... Fashion Week used to serve a very clear purpose. It was for buyers to come and make their selections for the clothes that would then be delivered into store six months later. Mm -hmm. That's how it worked. Yep. And originally, if you think about the early Fashion Weeks, sort of post-war 50s stuff, there are all these wonderful stories about illustrators being barred. Mm -hmm. You know, what if you took a sketch quietly and then sold it? You know, Mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. so very carefully guarded that only the insider people would be able to come in and see what Dior was going to present or Balenciaga would present. And then six months later, someone at Vogue would tell you what they had seen Mm -hmm. and then you would be able to potentially access it. Mm -hmm. Now, in today's world, that makes no sense at all because the internet means that everything's immediate. So Mm. now you go to Fashion Week and you take a picture on your phone and immediately other people can see it Mm -hmm. or it's live streamed so you don't Mm -hmm. even need to go. Exactly. So what's it all for? Right. And I love the fact that you said all that because, like you said, 
everything has changed completely and it's again that time we need to change everything completely and i believe that uh, helsinki fashion week at the moment is just a form in the process kind of in in a shifting phase i believe that helsinki fashion week will not look or feel the same in the future when sustainability becomes mainstream i'm very happy about that idea very optimistic about it i really believe that it will become sooner or later a mainstream like you cigarettes did say to me you know oh <laughs> no really it's like with i think governments will have like laws drawn out and because it's a fact it's not my choice it's a fact it's nobody's choice actually it's mandatory it's a fact that we are overusing our resources we have plastic in our bodies we are completely ruining our environment our homes and people are saying they have all sorts of t-shirts saying we don't have planet b and people don't take it seriously but um you know it's not too far away that we're gonna face some really social and environmental disasters and it's gonna affect our life it's gonna one day come and knock knock on your door as well you can't exclude yourself from it so that's why this is just uh, we're just trying to support that process and shift You said to me that two days ago you wondered if you could continue. <laughs> It's not easy to put on a fashion week on your own. I know you have a team, but you're not IMG. You're not sponsored by Mercedes Benz. Mm -hmm. You've pulled off something. I could be. Oh well, you said that you could be. Mm -hmm. I could be. It's it's my choice to choose Tesla. I'm very proud. I mean, you can check my Instagram, but uh, working with Tesla is a big honor for me. Like five years ago, people would say that would laugh to Elon Musk and look what they're what's happening now. They're changing the industry. Everyone's following their footsteps. They're leading the way. Well, so are you. But coming back to that point, you did admit that you were finding it hard. I do. Definitely. It's very, very challenging. Very challenging. But again, nothing good comes easy. What's the point of having easy things? You know, challenge makes it worth it, you know. And I believe that um, what makes me really happy is that I've now seen that I, because, you know, some of the guests were saying that, you know, not one person can make a difference, but actually, you know, one person can make a difference. And I mean, you're here. A lot of other people are here. You're investing your time, the most valuable resource of your lives into this. And again, even if it's challenging, it really serves my life personally. It grows me as a person and I love my job. You mentioned I could be sponsored by, I'm just going to make some names up here. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that they've come to you, but, you know, Coca-Cola or Shell Oil or I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Obviously, in the same way that I, with this podcast, have to pick and choose who I partner with. If you're going to be really value driven in the work that you're doing or in, a, in an event that you're producing, you have to then back it up with value driven partnerships, right? Absolutely. And uh, I'm telling you, people are out there to get us, like as they do to other companies as well. Anything new or different, people want to find the mistake or something that's not right. And it's not why we're doing that. It's because we actually, when we partner with a company, they serve our association. They serve the whole platform. And I don't believe that only money can do that. I believe in people. We work with people in the in the companies, not with the name of the company and uh, like for instance if if the work is not fun if it's somehow uh, disturbing or disrespectful or rude 
I'll just stop everything. Like I'll pull out from that partnership. Why? Because again, I've realized that in order to do this, I need to have fun. I need to enjoy it. And I'm investing my valuable, most valuable resource, which is time. And I want to have a good time. I don't want to suffer for trying to improve things. And if someone doesn't have that mindset, I'm, I refuse to work with them. I don't care how much money they have. It's a very millennial take, isn't it, Evelyn? Yeah, <laughs> it is. And uh, I just got goosebumps again. Whenever you say uh, millennials are actually Generation Z, I'm obsessed with young people. Uh, you realize how many young people were in our event. Yeah, loads. Yeah. And, and diverse people as well. Yeah, but we can always target them. Yeah. Give them five years, you know? Time is going really fast and they're they're the ones who, who will eventually be the bigger consumer group. You're 26. Right. So let's talk about that next generation, Gen Z, which is obviously much younger. Mm -hmm. But we know from research that mm -hmm. values are driving this generation's approach to what they will consume and what sorts of brands they're going to follow or be loyal to. Mm -hmm. How much do you know about what Gen Z is going to be looking for when it comes to fashion and sustainability? I think they are going to look for new business models, new ways of doing things. They are New ways of consuming even. Exactly. And uh, what I want to show them with this platform is that you can, but you need to work for it. You need to understand it. You need to respect it. And also we cannot forget that other uh, generations like millennials or alphas affect each other. It's like cooking, you know, if you make a soup and you put a potatoes and carrots, they're in there together. So they get different tastes. And um, yeah, I think uh, they will really want to step out and kind of stand out from each other. So there is less copying, less by going with the flow, grouping, you know, close circles. There is more innovation and they're really like, they've they were born with technology or weren't they? So that's really affects your mindset because Generation Z is the biggest, this generation suffers the most of social media and other social challenges and pressures because of this. And there is a lot of small things like Instagram and like different kinds of movements like Sang movement in China that everyone wants to... Everyone wants you to succeed. You know, it's so important, like influencers are basically telling us, okay, you have to have a perfect body, a perfect boyfriend, perfect house, perfect food, perfect skin, perfect hair, perfect teeth, perfect clothes, perfect everything, perfect friends. And uh, that's not life. There is not one person that is perfect. So I think um, now this Sang movement what is kind is of... What is it? I don't know it's what it is. They're protesting. They're like not caring. They want to, in purpose, be unsuccessful because there's so much pressure for them to be successful. Okay. And they're rebelling. And Generation Z, they're rebels. And I love that because we need courage to change. And whatever we do, the older generation, doesn't matter. If we don't care, we're going to affect it ne negatively, but we can't stop them from changing the world. It's not possible. Yeah. So it's happening. It is happening. Yeah. So we're just getting there and going into their circles and seeing that what's who these people are and what they're looking for. If you then had to use a crystal ball to imagine the future of fashion weeks in general mm -hmm. and to perhaps imagine it for Gen Z, what mm -hmm. do you think that's going to look like? I think fashion weeks will... Actually, I don't know what to say, but I just got this vision that's going to happen everywhere and there's not going to be seasons. 
Fashion Week is going to be 360 days a year thing. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> like in a, in a different way. I think um, somehow I, I feel like um, things are going to really, really change. But I don't know. I don't know. But I'm excited to change with the change, you know. And that's uh, what keeps it exciting in Fashion Week. That even the core value is sustainability. We aim to reach the highest point of that. Still, we get disappointed a lot. At the same time, the point is to serve people the timely concepts and themes, like Eco Village and and other things. And uh, yeah, changing with time. I mean, you don't have to fit in a box. You don't have to be the same every year. I mean, next year our th- I've decided our theme, and it's going to be completely different and even more weird. <laughs> but in a good way, and more international, in a good way, in an easier way to understand, kind of sharing the info and experience that we have. Love. Well, I think it's bloody fabulous. Thank I you had so a great much. Time. Thank you so much. It's um, really. What, I mean, the thing I loved most about it was that I discovered all these names and designers who I hadn't known before. And that, right. that was cool. Like, that's kind of why I came. And that's what I came away with as well. Like, oh, great. I discovered, I mean, I didn't discover them. They've been out there already. But for me, they were new. Right. And, and the thing is that you and other important media people, you are the key for these designers, for this message to go out there, you know. And um, it's very important that, I mean, you saw in the Echo Village, like how many Fashion Week you see a... Uh, people swimming and doing yoga. Uh, (laughs) And uh, the thing is that we are too strict in the fashion industry. We don't have to be. We don't need to, you know, feel uncomfortable or certain emotions, feelings, just because we're in fashion week. We can do the same thing, even having fun, doing other things, you know. It doesn't need to be. Before I finish up, can I ask you to describe the yoga element? I missed it. The yoga element, I did it. I actually just uh, in between of the production, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take my time and enjoy this for a second. And we were in a deck that we built for for the Echo Village. And uh, it was shaking a little bit like uh, with the waves. And um, it gave you a nice like uh, feeling, physical feeling. And then we just practiced our breathing. We were just enjoying the fresh air. We could never do that in China, in Beijing. <laughs> it's, it's a privilege to have a clean air. We just take it as a granted. And how many people were at your yoga class? Well, about 10 people and so on right. who fit in the deck. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it was really lovely. I actually it was really enjoyable. We were breathing and your pulse were coming down. And then you would open your eyes and you would see this amazing... Baltic Sea, the sun is shining. Why not? Why not? Fashion Week and yoga. <laughs> Love. That's the end. Oh, it's getting hard. My parents feel that I'm defending you. We tell them all that they are wrong. Because I love you. Thank you for listening to Wardrobe Crisis. To learn more about our guests and the issues that we've spoken about today, hop on over to my website, which is clairepress.com forward slash podcast. 
you can get in touch there and I really hope you will I'd love to hear from you and you can also find links to my social media and finally if you're enjoying the show please head over to iTunes and subscribe you know what they say first in best dressed subscribers are first to find out when there's a new episode and it also helps other people discover wardrobe crisis so I'd love your help with that because the more people who switch on to ethical fashion the better music is by Montaigne she recorded this special acoustic version of Because I Love You, which is from her Glorious Heights album, especially for Wardrobe Crisis. How good is that? Thank you, Montaigne. Because I love you, my parents feel that this is a waste of time. I tell you where, okay, I won't admit that I am blind. My friends all feel that I'm carrying a steel. I tell them all that they are wrong. Because I love you, because I love you. Because I love you, because I love you.